there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Are you ready to learn? Are you hungry for God's word? I want to speak on the subject flowing with the anointing. Flowing with the anointing. Now, as a believer, you must desire the anointing. It is very sad that in the church today, people don't really desire the anointing. There are other things that people desire when they come to church and not the anointing. But we must desire the anointing. Amen. Tell your neighbor you must desire the anointing. I mean, as a believer, you really need the anointing. As a Christian, you really, really need the anointing. And so we are going to look at how do you flow with the anointing. Because if you don't learn how to flow with the anointing, um, you will not operate under the anointing. All right? Now, flowing is not very easy. In fact, life can be very stressful when there is no flow or when you don't have a flow with the people around you. Life can be difficult. Things can be tough if you are around people that you cannot flow with. That's why we are talking about flowing with the anointing or flowing in the anointing. Both can work. You see, can you imagine being in a workplace where there is no flow? You cannot flow with your colleagues. You cannot flow with your supervisor. And when I talk about flowing, it simply means you don't have a chemistry. There is no way you can work with your colleagues or with your friends. And that is the place that you spend most of your time in from Monday to Friday. Some of you from Monday to Saturday. And you're around people that you cannot flow with. It can be very difficult. Isn't it true? Or you're in a family and you can't flow with your brothers or with your sisters. Anytime there is a family meeting, it is a cause or it's a reason for you to have a headache. Because you know you're going to be around people that you can't flow with. Family meetings can be depressing if you're not flowing with your brothers or flowing with your sisters, isn't it? Some of us, we are rivals. We are rivals with our brothers and with our sisters. We are all competing to outdo each other. Isn't it true? Oh, the people I'm preaching about are not in this service tonight. Are, are they here in this service today? Yeah, when, when, when your brother buys a certain car, you, you just buy a different color. And then the lot, the letter. So that you can show him that you are also not broke, isn't it? So when you don't flow with your brothers and sisters, it can be difficult. But also when you don't flow with the people you work with in the church, in a department, it can also be very stressful. That's why some people move from one department to another. Not because they feel a call to move to another department, it's because, but it's because where they are, they cannot flow with some sisters or with some brothers. Please, the people I'm preaching about did not come for this service 
today, isn't it? I'm preaching to angels. Am I preaching to angels? Huh? So you can find that you're not flowing with somebody in a department. And it becomes worse if that person is appointed a leader and you have to submit yourself to that person. It becomes a temptation. It becomes a trial. It becomes a test. It becomes very difficult. Especially if that person tells you to do something. Your natural response is to rebel. Because you feel like this person is unfair to you. And this person is picking on you. And you can't really flow with that person. Ask your neighbor, do you have anybody that you don't flow with? It can be tough, isn't it? Ask another one, is that the reason why you left our department? So flowing is very, very important. Or, can we go deeper? You get married to somebody you don't flow with. And the pastor has declared husband and wife. As you are leaving the wedding venue, trouble begins. When you go to the honeymoon, trouble begins. And you are not flowing. I think that marriage, that marriage can screech to a halt. It can be very difficult. I mean, if you can't flow with your spouse, I, I can just imagine how difficult it is. You are sleeping in the same bed, but you are not flowing. Hey. Sometimes even eating from the same plate. <laughs> I'm telling you, couples can do some things. But you are not flowing. It can be difficult. And it can be very stressful. And, and that's why I want us to talk about flowing in the anointing or flowing with the anointing. Because the anointing is there. And the reason why many people don't operate in the anointing or many Christians don't operate in the anointing is because they don't know how to flow with the anointing. They don't, want, they don't know how to flow in the anointing. But after tonight, I see you flowing in the anointing in Jesus' name. And you will discover that when you start flowing in the anointing, it begins to make you or position you to flow in these other areas that I've mentioned. Yeah, because it's the, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Amen? It is not your English. It is the anointing. The anointing does what? It, it breaks the yoke. So when you know how to flow in the anointing or to flow with the anointing, it becomes very easy for you to flow in these other areas. Praise the Lord. Now, the person that Jesus left us to work with is the Holy Spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 16 to 17, the Bible says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. So we were left with the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, the helper. Three things we see there. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He will abide with us forever. Number two, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. 
He will always guide you to the truth. When you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, he will guide you to the truth. Hallelujah. If Pastor Mackenzie submitted himself to the Holy Spirit, he could have led him to the truth. If all the worshipers who are following him submitted themselves to the Holy Spirit, he could have led them to the truth. Because the Spirit of God cannot lead you to error. The Spirit of God will lead you to the truth. Can I hear an amen in this house? So tell your neighbor, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. That is the person that Jesus left us to work with. So when, when, when a Christian engages himself in gymnastics, he's not following the Bible. When a Christian is doing crazy, crazy things, he's not following the Bible. The person that Jesus left us to work with is the Holy Spirit. And you must develop a very close relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because when you develop that relationship with him, he will lead you to the truth. Can I hear an amen? amen? The Holy Spirit can never tell you to leave your husband to go and live in the bush. And fast until you die. The Holy Spirit cannot tell you to leave, to leave your wife and children. Or to take your children somewhere in a bush. And tell them you can't go to a hospital, you can't, you can't go to school. You can't. I mean, that is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. By the way, when you pray and you still have symptoms, go and see a doctor. Are we together? It's very important. Because physicians have been mentioned in the Bible as well. Are we together? Tell your neighbor, it's important for you to go to school. It's important. It's important for you to educate your mind. There's a time I was teaching about knowledge. And I said, you see, God says, my people perish for lack of what? For lack of knowledge. That's why people are dead. Because they lack knowledge. Dead. You don't have to die to see Jesus. You can see him while you are alive. I see him every day. I experience his power and his anointing. Even tonight, you will see Jesus through his anointing in the name of Jesus. Oh yes. Are we together, somebody? So tell your neighbor, receive the Holy Spirit in your life. I release the Holy Ghost upon your life today. I release the Holy Spirit to brood over your life, to surround you tonight, to be in your life in the name of Jesus is the spirit of truth. And he will guide you to truth. Amen. But there's something else we see here. That the Holy Spirit is known to a believer. When you're a believer. When you're a Christian. You live for God. You follow God. You serve God. Your life is submitted to God. You will know the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the last part. But you know him. He's not known by the world. But you as his child. You as a Christian. You know him. Yeah? But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit dwells with us. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Now, I want you to understand that when the Holy Spirit dwells in you and the Holy Spirit dwells with you, we are talking about the anointing. 
Because the Holy Spirit is the agent of the anointing. The Holy Spirit is the custodian of the anointing. The Holy Spirit is the one that anoints. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So when the Holy Spirit dwells within you, I want you to know that the anointing within you. When the Holy Spirit is with you, I want you to know that the anointing is with you. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Spirit is the custodian of the anointing. The Holy Spirit is the dispenser of the anointing. The Holy Spirit is the giver of the anointing. I wish I got an amen in this house. The Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, is the agent of the anointing. And you see here, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has done what? Has anointed me. To do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Those are manifestations of the power of the anointing. Where there is an anointing, healing takes place. Where there is an anointing, captives are set free. Where there is an anointing, the blind begin to see. Where there is an anointing, the gospel is preached even to the poor. And lifts the poor from poverty. And they start doing well in life. Hallelujah. Tonight may the anointing lift you. As the Holy Ghost comes upon you, may he lift you higher. I say may he lift you higher. May he lift your business higher. May he lift your family higher. May he lift your children higher. May he lift your, your, your entire life higher. Shout a louder amen. So the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, an anointing came upon Jesus. And that's why Jesus was able to do what he's listing here. These are ministry exploits that take place in the life of someone who is anointed. These are supernatural occurrences that begin to flow out of a life that is anointed. That's why I told you at the beginning of my message that you need to desire the anointing. You need to crave for the anointing. Because when the anointing comes upon you, oh, let me rephrase, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the anointing comes upon you. And when the anointing comes upon you, you are able to do ministry or accomplish ministry exploits. Hallelujah. How many want to see blind eyes open? How many want to see miraculous things take place? Tell your neighbor, you need the anointing. So when you learn to flow, so if you are going to flow with the anointing, the first thing that is important for us to note, we must flow with the Holy Spirit. If you are going to flow with the anointing, you must flow with the Holy Spirit. When you flow with the Holy Spirit, you automatically begin to flow with the anointing. When you flow with the Holy Spirit, you begin to flow with the anointing. When you flow with the Holy Spirit, you begin to flow in the anointing. Hallelujah. So if you need to flow in the anointing or with the anointing, then the Holy Spirit has to be very close to you. You have to talk to him. You have to embrace him. You have to fellowship with him. You have to invite him in your prayer closet. You have to invite him in your life. I, I, I remember reading the book written by Benny Hinn, Good Morning Holy Spirit, and his description 
describing how he has all this, he has these intimate moments with the Holy Spirit. That sometimes he could even pull a chair, uh, he pulls two chairs, uh, actually he he gets into a room, closes the door, and then he has two chairs. You know, one he sits on, another one he puts in front of him, and then he says, Holy Spirit, come and sit on this chair. Let us have a conversation. Wow, isn't that amazing? No wonder you can see Benin flaws in the anointing because of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From tonight, may you desire the Holy Spirit. May you desire to walk with the Holy Spirit. May you desire to be filled again and again and again and again with the Holy Spirit. Because the more you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the easier it is for you to flow with the anointing. Amen. Hallelujah. So, how do we flow with the anointing? Number one, we flow with the anointing when we flow with the Holy Spirit as a wind. We flow with the anointing or in the anointing when we flow with the Holy Spirit as a wind. We flow in the anointing when we flow with the Holy Spirit as a wind. You see, wind is the perceptible natural movement of the air. It is a current of air blowing from a particular direction. And many times wind is mysterious. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And sometimes you don't even know where it is coming from. Sometimes you underestimate it and it becomes very, very strong. Sometimes wind can be powerful. It can lift buildings. It can lift houses. It can lift cars. It can uproot trees. And sometimes you don't see it, but you feel it. Wind is very mysterious. The Holy Spirit has, as a manifestation, sometimes is through the wind. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1 to 4, the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. These are the disciples of Jesus. And suddenly, somebody shout, suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them dividing tongues fire. And one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was a sound. Somebody shout a sound. Then it became a wind. Somebody shout wind. Then it turned into a fire. Somebody say fire. Then they began to speak in tongues. So you can see that the wind here is a representation of the move of the Holy Spirit. So if you're going to flow in the anointing, you must flow with the Holy Spirit as a wind. I want you to know that they were in this place. The Bible says they were in this place in one accord, in unity. They were in a place of prayer. They had prayed. They had sought the Lord. You see, the wind can come. The wind of the Spirit can come if we are united. The wind of the Spirit will flow if we are prayerful. The reason why we don't feel the wind of the Holy Spirit is because people are not united in the Spirit and people are not prayerful. Many believers don't pray as they ought to. 
But if we can be in one accord and we can be in a place of prayer, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through the wind will come to where we are. Hallelujah. So what is this wind? This wind is the breath of God. This wind is the breath of God. John chapter 20, verse 21 to 22, the Bible says, Then Jesus said to them, these are his disciples, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He went like... Then he says, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is released through the breath of God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is, is released through the wind, the breath of God. And that's why you have to be very sensitive to the wind. Hallelujah. Do you know as I'm speaking like right now, I am breathing the Holy Ghost upon you. You are hearing my voice, but you cannot feel the wind. You cannot see it, yet it is there. What propels my voice to be heard is the breath of God. Oh Lord, help me preach. What you can hear has been powered by the breath of God, by the wind of God. Tonight I prophesy, receive the Holy Ghost. I breathe over you to receive the Holy Ghost tonight. I say I breathe over you to receive the Holy Spirit tonight. And as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, may the anointing of God come upon you as well in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Shout a louder amen. Receive the anointing. I breathe the Holy Ghost. Receive the anointing. Hey. It's powerful. Glory to God. That's why when you're around a man of God, you should be very sensitive. And you should be open because the anointing is dispensed through the breath of God. Hallelujah. It is dispensed through the breath of God. There was sound and then there was wind and then there was cloven tongues of fire and then the Holy Ghost came and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak in tongues. But that is not the end. Read down there. Peter, who was a coward, stood up under fresh oil, fresh anointing, and he started preaching. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach. Peter is fulfilling what Jesus said. When the spirit came, he started preaching. This is the same Peter who was afraid of even identifying with Jesus. But when the anointing came, he stood up and he started preaching. And that day, 3,000 souls came into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I breathe the Holy Ghost on you. I say, I breathe the Holy Ghost on you. I release the wind, the breath of God on you. And as it comes, may it come with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. May you do exploits in Jesus' name. Somebody shout, I receive the anointing. Sit down, sit down. I'm blessed. Number two, for you to flow in the anointing, you need to flow with the Holy Spirit as a dove. You need to flow with the Holy Spirit as a dove. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says when he had been baptized, this is Jesus. Jesus came up immediately from the water. 
and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God. Wow. Descending like, shout it loudly, like, I can't hear you, shout it loudly, like, and alighting upon who? Upon Jesus. There was a dove, the Holy Spirit. All right? Let's use a layman's language. There was a dove. What people saw was a dove. Isn't it? Do you know what a dove is? It's not a chicken. How many know what a dove is? If you know what a dove is. You know a dove? Uh-huh. What people saw was a dove. But the dove was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus. It was a manifestation of the anointing coming upon Jesus. Praise the Lord. So Jesus is not the dove. But the dove is symbolic. And we want to dig deeper. Why the dove? Why not a snake? Huh? Why not an elephant? And the heavens opened and an elephant came and rested upon Jesus. Uh, or why not an eagle? Or why not a hyena? Why a dove? It's like you're not ready for me. Let's close this. Should we close this service and go home? Ask your neighbor, why a dove? I'll tell them you pretend as if you already know. A dove is used in many settings as a symbol of peace, freedom, or love. A dove is used in many settings as a symbol of peace, freedom, or love. So you need these three attributes for you to flow in the anointing. Let's look at peace. You see, where there is turmoil and contention, you know, the anointing cannot flow. Where there is turmoil, confusion, fighting, strife in the church, in the ministry. I mean, there will be no flow of the anointing. Why? Because God is not the author of confusion. That's why we must endeavor to have peace. Because where there is peace, the anointing will flow. The, the dove represents peace. Hallelujah. That's why you see sometimes when people agree, people who are fighting, fighting, they, re they release doves in the air. You remember even Kibaki did that. He released a dove in the air. It's a symbol of peace. So for the anointing to flow, there has to be peace. Amen. For the anointing to flow in a church, there has to be peace. For the anointing to flow in a department, there has to be peace. And for the anointing to flow in you as well, there need to be, we, you need to be peaceful. Because some of you are not peaceful. You have not relaxed. Your mind is bombarded with so many things. Your heart is bombarded with so many things. You don't enjoy inner tranquility. And because of that, the anointing cannot flow. Because you are always on the edge. There are people who are always on the edge. And because they are on the edge, even when they sit, they sit on the edge of a seat. It's like they are ready to fight. Ready. They can't relax. <laughs> now you are checking your neighbor. How your neighbor... Is seated, if they are seated on the edge of the seat, isn't it? 
That's why when there is a lot of disloyalty in the church, it quenches the anointing. In fighting in the church, strife in the church, disturbance, turmoil in the church, it quenches the anointing. When a marriage is not peaceful, there is no anointing. It can't flow. Because they are always fighting. The dove cannot come where there is chaos. Hey, Lord help me preach. The dove cannot come and rest in a place that is full of turmoil. Strife, chaos, and turbulences. The dove needs to rest in a place where there is peace. Yeah. The anointing came in the form of a dove. So we need peace. Hallelujah. So all the troublemakers in this church, please, we need peace. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell them, please, we need peace for the anointing to flow. All the troublemakers who are watching me right now, that's why you do not come for the service. We need peace, my friends. We need peace. We don't need people discouraging people, fighting people, pulling people down, you know, causing mayhem in the department. We need peace everywhere. Peace in the worship team. Peace in the TPM. Peace in the TYC. Peace in the pastoral team. Peace in the HODs. Peace in the C groups. And when we have peace, the anointing. I say the anointing. I say the anointing. It will flow. Hallelujah. But when people are fighting each other, turmoil, strife, there will be no flow of the anointing. You see, the anointing is very interesting. The anointing is like a dove. And that anointing can see your heart. Huh? Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There is peace. Read down there, Psalms. Hmm? Is like oil. It's like what? Anointing. That is doing what? Is flowing from the head of Aaron. Goes to the beard. All the way to the skirts. It is flowing. Why? There is unity. There is peace. And then the Bible says in such a place, God commands a blessing. So all the troublemakers, please. Stubborn people in the church. Problematic people in the church. Please, can you leave that party? Move to the party of peace. I have started a new party. It's called the party of peace. Can all of you join the party of peace? Eh, I feel troublemakers are not really supporting me. I say, can all of you join the party of peace? We need peace in the church. Oh, yes, we need it. Yeah, we need it. And you will see that the anointing will do what? It will flow. Hallelujah. The anointing will do what? It will flow. Amen. So tell your neighbor, neighbor, I need peace. Hmm? You know, there's a, there's a guy I, I, I listen to on social media. He said, I don't want peace. I want problems. I don't know if you've heard that guy. <laughs> tell your neighbor, if you are the one, please change. We need peace. Hallelujah. How many want peace like me? I, I, I need peace. When you preach to people who are peaceful, the anointing flows. It just flows. Amen. From today, CLT will be a haven of peace. 
our department CMGs will be a haven of peace our marriages will be a haven of peace our relationships will be a haven of peace and the dove will come the anointing will come secondly the dove represents freedom somebody say freedom say it again freedom we must be free we must be free and you have to desire to be free hallelujah you have to be free from any weight that slow you down you have to be free from weaknesses you have to be free from bondages you have to be free look let me tell you before you got born again you, you see when you came to jesus you came with a lot of baggages problems issues eh? emotional problems psychological problems mental problems physical problems some of us we were sickly some of us we were weak some of us we were disturbed mentally we had so many problems anger issues pride but if you're not careful some of those things will still be with you you have to be free amen I say you have to be free. The dove represents freedom. You have to overcome these things. You have to be free. You see, when you are not free, the anointing cannot flow. Because you already have other struggles. The dove came and the dove represents freedom. Look, of all the people, Susan, that were in that river, the dove only came to rest on Jesus. Have you ever asked yourself why? Hmm? Because other people were having so many problems there and struggles. Jesus was sinless. Oh yes. In that, in that, in that crowd, there's somebody who had beaten his wife. So the dove took a detour. In that, yes, I'm telling you, there's somebody there who had just stolen and he was coming to repent so that he may be baptized. The dove took a detour. It went and went and went and went and went and went. It found Jesus. Yeah, a man who had overcome. He was in the flesh, tempted in all ways, but there was no sin in him. And that was where the dove did what? Rested. Are we together? So you have to overcome some of these things that are bothering you. You, you know what bothers you. You know what this thing, if, if you don't deal with it, you know very well it will mess up everything in your life. You have to deal with it. And you have to overcome it. So the anointing can flow. All of you, you could have been so anointed. But because you are holding on to something. The dove is still just circling around. It's waiting for you to release that thing before it rests on you. It's like an aeroplane that is supposed to land. But because it has not been given clearance. It will circle around the airport. Huh? Until it is given clearance. Some of you have made the dove so tired. 10 years, 20 years, the dove is still waiting. It's just going round. You still have anger. Hmm? Pride. The anointing cannot rest on pride. So ask your neighbor for me, so what's your issue? And I'll show you something here very powerful. Can I show you? Huh? Are you sure? Do you know Samson? 
Give me a tissue, Abil. I'm, I'm a bit under the weather, but I am surviving. You know Samson, isn't it? Samson was so anointed and he started very well. But he had some issues. Somebody say issues. And instead of him overcoming all these issues that were bothering him, he refused. And he was playing around. The anointing was on him and he was playing around. Then one day something happened. The Bible says in Judges chapter 16 verse 20. I mean this guy was so anointed he could pull gates. <laughs> he could tie the foxes, the tails of foxes. Release them in the Philistines field. One time he got hold of a lion. Tore it into pieces. Like a joke. That is Samson. Took the jawbone of an ass. An ass is donkey, please. <laughs> yeah? And he killed Philistines. But Judges chapter 16 verse 20. They brought a woman. And this woman was a secret agent. And they know. You see, the devil knows what you're struggling with. Yeah. They, you see, the devil knew that if I bring money to Samson, it is not a temptation. The thing that can bring Samson down is a, is a woman. And that is what was brought to Samson. You know, I've had some ladies say, Pastor, I don't know what is wrong with me. Huh? I'm only approached by married women. Married men, rather. That's what, have you heard somebody say that? It's only married men who approach me. It is not the men who have a problem. It is you who has a weakness. How comes a no, no, no single man is approaching me? It's only married people that are approaching me and some of them are rich. It is not them. It is you. I think I've, I've just done counseling. I've just counseled somebody here, isn't it? Yeah. It is you. Because like will attract like. What is in you will attract. It will attract. It will attract what is around you. Samson, they brought a woman by the name Delilah. Hmm? And look at what happened. Judges chapter, and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And so he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before under the anointing. I will flow in the anointing as the way I've done before. At other times. And shake myself free. But he did not know that the spirit of God had left him. The Lord had left him. And when the Lord leaves, do you know? When the Lord leaves, he packs his anointing. And he lives with it. When the spirit lives, the spirit collects the anointing and lives with it. To show you that Samson was not operating under natural strength. He was operating under the anointing. And when the anointing went, he became powerless. The day you think it is your power, you've lost it. I can wake up the way I always wake up, shake myself and do it. <laughs> One day God will say, okay, let me leave so that I see how you are shaking is going to take place. That's what I'm telling you. You have to overcome those things. Praise the Lord. Overcome pride. 
overcome anger, overcome malice, eh? overcome envy, overcome jealousy, overcome all these things that you struggle with. Fornication, over lying, overcome all these things. And then the anointing will keep flowing. Samson had a decision to make. Stick with Delilah, lose the anointing. Stick with the anointing, lose Delilah. But sadly, he stuck with Delilah and he lost the anointing. Now, this is the thing. Can I shock you? When you lose the anointing, remember what you went through to get it. Just remember what you went through. Do you know what Samson went through for the anointing to come? First of all, an angel appeared to his parents. First of all. And then the angel gave the parents instructions on what they're supposed to do. Then Samson was supposed to live as a Nazarite. Now you have to go to square one and start putting those things in practice again so that you may regain the anointing. So losing is more expensive. And he prayed, he said, Father, just this one more time, anoint me again. Just this one more time. And he died with the So, you need to be free. I pray that you'll be free from anything that might sabotage the anointing upon your life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Why are you not shouting, amen? Number three. I'm still talking about the dove. The anointing represents love. Rather, the dove, sorry, the dove represents love. The dove represents love. Now, the dove represents peace. The dove represents freedom. And the dove represents love. The opposite of love is hate. The counterfeit of love is lust. Where there is love, the anointing will flow. Where there is hate, the anointing will be quenched. Because you see, love is God. And remember I told you there's a difference between love and lust. I'm not talking about lust. I'm talking about love. Love is pure. Love is God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 8, He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So for you to know God, you must walk in love. And when you walk in love, you will flow in the anointing. Hallelujah. Do you know why many intercessors don't flow in the anointing? Because they are full of hatred. Talk to intercessors who. Pray. Hmm? For lack of a better word, some of them, their hearts are dirty. Because they are full of judgment. They judge everybody. One time, I used to have an intercessory department in this church. Hey. It was a very problematic department. They pray when they want to pray. And when they pray, they want to come and give me visions and revelations. And some of them, I could just see hatred. <laughs> Most intercessors are full of hatred. Their hearts are black. Because they see demons everywhere. See, everybody has demons. Even the one preaching has a demon. <laughs> if he didn't have a demon, he could not have been preaching the way he's preaching. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, what did I do? I have abolished, I abolished the intercessory department. Everybody is a prayer warrior. Look at how I promoted everybody. Look at how you are promoted. Everybody is a... Tell your neighbor I'm a prayer warrior. I can pray until heavens come down. Love. Must walk in love. The dove represents love. Amen. That's why we must walk in. In love. Tell your neighbor I love you. So much. Because I love God. <laughs> if your neighbor is a bit uneasy, just add with the love of Christ. <laughs> number three. What was number one? For you to flow. Eh? For you to flow in the anointing, you flow with the Holy Spirit as a wind. Number two, you flow as a dove. Number three, you flow as you flow with the Holy Spirit as water. Water. John chapter 7, verse 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, hmm, let him come to me and drink. Hmm? Anyone who is thirsty, let him come and drink. And he talks about, look at the next verse. Let him come to me and drink. So you have to be thirsty. Tell your neighbor you have to be thirsty. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What are rivers of living water? It's the anointing. Yeah, the anointing is the very life of God. Rivers of living water, that's the anointing. Hallelujah. Verse 39. But this is spoke concerning, look, 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 look. I'm qualifying what I'm saying. But this is spoke concerning who? Come on, somebody talk to me. This is spoke concerning who? The spirit whom those believing in him will receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But now he is glorified. So we've been given the Holy Spirit. So out of your belly will flow the anointing. Yeah, so you have to receive the Holy Spirit as water. You have to be thirsty. The worst thing that happens in the church is when people refuse to be thirsty. You see, if you're not thirsty, even if I bring you cold water, you'll never drink it. But if you give a dying person water, huh? you've gone to Shakahola Forest. <laughs> and you have found somebody who is dying of thirst. That person will appreciate water. Isn't it true? Yeah, to a dying man, to a dehydrated man, water will be appreciated. They even say, when you find yourself in a desert, all right, Carry a container. If there is no water, carry a container. So that when you go for a short call, don't lose that urine. Collect it. And then drink it again. It will keep you for many days. As you wait to be rescued. Look, when you are in a desperate situation, you have to survive. And you have to come up with desperate measures to survive. If urine can keep you for a week, drink it. 
And by the way, it's your own urine anyway. <laughs> you just shake it a bit so the other things can settle. Then the water above will be very clear. <laughs> so you have to be thirsty. Tell your neighbor you have to be thirsty. The Holy Spirit and the anointing will never come upon you unless you are thirsty. You have to be thirsty. I pray that our thirst for the anointing will go to the next level. Because people are not thirsty anymore. And as I told you in my opening remarks, many of the Christians who are coming to our churches, they are not thirsty for the Holy Spirit anymore. They are thirsty for other things. Singles are thirsty for a wedding. True? Then when you are married, thirsty for children. That's it. Then thirsty for a car. That's it. Then thirsty for a house. That's it. That is, that, is, that is the craving that many people have in the church. But they don't crave for the Holy Spirit. They don't crave for the anointing. Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty, let him come and drink. Hallelujah. And after they drink, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of their belly shall flow the anointing. When you are thirsty, the anointing will flow out of you. Hallelujah. For this he spoke concerning the spirit. So are you thirsty? Really thirsty? Are you sure? Are you thirsty? If, if the members of COT were thirsty, this place could be packed until where the gym is. Overflow. But people are not thirsty anymore. People are satisfied. They are belching in their houses, thinking that they are full. But in God's eyes, they are fools. Because they are not thirsty. Please, never come to a place where you are satisfied. You are saying, I don't need any more preaching. I don't need any more teaching. I don't need any more. Let me. The moment you say, I don't need it, the, your belly is closed. The rivers that are supposed to flow, closed. They don't flow anymore. The anointing will not flow. And you will not flow in the anointing. If you are looking for frustration, you don't even have to go out there. Just come to the church, you will find it. Because many believers, their bellies are closed. When your belly is closed, frustration comes in. Rivers are not flowing. The anointing is not flowing. Miraculous happenings are not taking place. Why? The belly is closed. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. Rivers. I say rivers. I say rivers. I say rivers of living waters. Amen. Rivers. And I'm glad it's rivers. Rivers of healing, of joy, of peace. Rivers of the miraculous signs and wonders. Out of your belly, the anointing will flow. And you will start seeing miraculous things taking place in your life. May your belly flow with rivers, with the anointing to touch and change lives. Shout a louder amen in this heart. May you be hungry and thirsty for God. 
until out of your belly rivers flow. The anointing flows to revolutionize people's lives. Hallelujah. My sister, when the anointing comes upon you and you open your mouth to sing, the anointing will flow. That's what I'm talking about. The rivers are flowing. And because rivers are flowing, there is life. Everything you give is full of life. Worship leading, full of life. Because a worship leader can even kill the service. See, my men need to imbe. What shall we sing today? Give me a song. The belly is closed. Give me a song. No life, no river is flowing. When you sit under a pastor who is not thirsty anymore, the belly is closed. He will preach to you, but no river will flow. No life will flow. No anointing will flow. That's why when Jesus preached and the Pharisees preached, people noticed the difference. When they listened to Jesus, they could see a river. A river. A river was flowing. His words were full of power and authority. There was life in everything that he was saying. But the Pharisees, their messages were dead. Their preaching was dead. I pray that you will not be like the Pharisees. You will be like Jesus. Everything you do for God, rivers will flow out of your belly. When you pray, rivers will flow out of your belly. When you sing, rivers will flow out of your belly. When you preach, rivers will flow out of your belly. Shout aloud louder amen in this house. Yeah. The anointing will flow. Yeah. The anointing will do what? Will flow. Look, ministry is all about the anointing. I'm telling you. Have a nice voice. Be eloquent. But something extra that you need is the anointing. Rivers. <laughs> Rivers must flow out of your belly. Please be seated. I'll give you the last one. Number four. Number four, you receive or you flow with the Holy Spirit as a mantle. As a mantle. Amen. You know, a mantle is like a garment. A mantle is like clothes. So for you to also flow in the anointing, you must flow with the Holy Spirit as a mantle. Amen. Now, when you wear a mantle, what happens to you is you are comfortable. When you wear a mantle, you are, or clothes, you are warm. And you are decent. Hallelujah. Yeah, you have some confidence, isn't it? You can get out of the house, isn't it? Because of what you're wearing. What you're wearing can really give you confidence. True or not true? Especially if you understand your body shape. Isn't it? So tell your neighbor, study your body shape. Because sometimes you wear something, people look at you and they're wondering, what is going on? Who is wearing the other? <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, they, you see, when it comes to knowing your body shape, there's nothing like too big or too small. 
It's just how you know to dress. Yeah. There are people who are big. When they dress, they look very nice. You, even the slender people wish they can be big. And the people who are slender, they dress very well until the big people wish they can be small. Oh, yeah. I know things. I know things. So if you study your body type and you know how to dress, let me tell you, even, even if you're big, slender people will be, will be looking at you and say, oh God, why am I not growing fat? And the way I'm really eating. <laughs> they will want to be like you. Yeah. So you have to study yourself and know what you put on your body. You understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Are we together? Yeah. Because people change. People really change. Yeah. I saw my preaching when they, they, they put my preaching in the office. Our reception now. There's a TV there. They put my preaching. And I've been looking. They, they have gone back and fished my old preachings. And I looked at myself. I said, hey. <laughs> hey. I mean, I was this bad. What is this? The neck is almost <laughs> like that of a giraffe. I looked at myself. I said, hey. I was this small. Wow. I look at myself right now, I'm, I'm, I'm looking very different. Some of you might not understand because you joined the church recently. But if you are with us from day one, this, this is a big difference. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah Pastor Mary was not like this. Uh, she's eaten my money. <laughs> Keep eating my money. I think she was actually size. Almost, maybe slightly bigger. But she was very tiny. I carried her in, on the wedding day. I, I just lifted her, you know. Uh, I might try tonight, but... If you don't see me on Sunday, just know what happened. Eh? Tell your neighbor, don't try this at home. <laughs> so even in the spirit, we have mantles. Somebody say mantles. This is very powerful. I'm going to unleash this to you. You'll be blessed. Mantles in the spirit. Mantles. And when you receive the Holy Spirit as a mantle, then you realize that at every stage of faith in your life, the Holy Spirit releases mantles over your life. I started the ministry... I started ministry with a mantle for worship. I can lead worship. I still have it until today. Yeah, I can lead worship. You understand? You know, I've seen some worship leaders, when I correct them, they have an attitude. But they don't understand that I have an, a mantle for worship. I can lead worship. Yeah, I can. You're looking at me as if you're doubting me. Yeah? I have that mantle. I've never lost it. Yeah, I'm just giving uh, an opportunity for other worship leaders to also, you know, rise. You understand? Yeah. You know, there are churches where the pastor does everything. Yeah, he opens with the word of prayer. He leads worship. He preaches. He collects the offering and closes the meeting. When he travels, he records everything. <laughs>
Maybe because he's surrounded with hyenas. So I have the mantle for worship. It's the mantle of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit just puts it on you. You understand? Yeah? He puts it on you. That's why two people can lead worship. And one, you're wondering, hey, what's going on? Yeah? It's a mantle. Somebody say it's a mantle. Say it again. It's a mantle. I have a mantle for teaching. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you have never seen it, then you must, life must be very difficult for blind people, isn't it? Yeah. Have you seen it? So it's a mantle for teaching. I have it. I know. Yeah. I, it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. When, when I preach to you, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Not every preaching you'll understand. Yeah. One time, one day, I was in a meeting and the preacher was preaching. I was sitting in front and he was preaching, man. And he was even preaching like he's talking to only the people who are sitting in front. I think the deep ones. Because the microphone was here. And the church was big. So I was even wondering the people who were behind who were really, who were behind were getting what he was saying. But you see, I was a pastor and I was trying to listen to him and I was not getting what he was saying. And he kept on saying, can I go deeper? So I say, even at the shallow end, I am lost. Now, if you keep going deeper, I'll be lost completely. But I was a pastor, so I was imagining an average Christian who was in that service. So it's a mantle. Not every preaching you can understand. Alright? Isn't it? A teacher takes what is complicated and makes it simple for you to understand. As a teacher. Are we together? I have the mantle of pastoring. It's a mantle. It's a garment the Holy Spirit puts on you. It's a mantle. Pastoring. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why I can put up with you for a very long time. You, in case you didn't know. If I didn't have it, most of you will not be in this church. I could have sent you to hell. Some of you could have just sent you to see Jesus. <laughs> this one, just go and see Jesus. Father, remove this one. <laughs> or, or kill this one. You know, there are preachers who say, kill this one. You know? So it's a mantle. Somebody say it's a mantle. Yeah, I have, I have a mantle for the gift of government. The gift of government is the gift of being able to manage God's resources. Yeah. Until people can see something happening. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a mantle. So there's various. I have a, now I have acquired another mantle. It's a mantle for building. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mantle for building. And we are building, my friend. And we'll finish building. Today we were discussing with Pastor Mary, when we are done with that building, we want to start going out and buying land and building. Yes, building. We will build Embakasi campus. We will build Utawala. We will build Kitengela. We will, build, we will go and build. Yes, it's a mantle. Tell your neighbor it's a mantle. So you need to receive the Holy Spirit as a mantle where he puts something on you. And you begin to operate in that thing. I'm telling you. And you find that you operate on it or in it effortlessly. Because 
It's a garment that has been placed over your life. Hallelujah. Are we together? Are we, are, we, are, we, are, we, are we understanding what I'm saying? And when the mantle is on you, then you flow in the anointing. You don't struggle. When the mantle of teaching is upon you, you don't struggle to teach. Yes. You don't struggle to teach. Yeah. You can wake up and teach because the mantle for teaching is upon you. Hallelujah. I even have apostolic mantle. Yes. Yes, I have an apostolic mantle. I have planted churches and I'm going to plant some more. Yeah, by the way, even today I was talking to Pastor Mary. I'm saying I even want to refine the vision because of what God is moving me into. Yeah, is moving me into the apostolic. Yeah, I already have it, but now I want to go into it full blast. So the vision is going to be refined just a little bit. Just, just add one or two words. Yeah, I will tell you what it will, how it will sound. Yeah, it's a mantle. Tell you never. Mantle. Tell them again, it's a mantle. The apostolic mantle. Even without calling myself an apostle, I am. Yeah, I'm raising pastors. I've ordained pastors. I've sent pastors. Yeah, even this week, I've talked to another pastor. I'm going to send him out very soon. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mantle. I pray for you, receive the mantles of the Holy Ghost. I say, receive the mantles of the Holy Ghost. Whatever God wants you to do, may he put a court on you to do it. Hallelujah. Receive it in Jesus' name. And may it come with the anointing to make you do exploits in ministry. Shout a louder. Amen. Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 8. <coughs> Last scripture. Then we pray. Second Kings. Is Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is following Elisha. And they are going. And they are going. They cross Jordan. And then Elijah is carrying a mantle. I want you to see how mantles are connected to the spirit. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that. So that the two of them crossed over on the dry ground. Verse 9. And as, as so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit. Elijah is carrying a mantle. <laughs> Elisha is asking for a spirit. This side they didn't get it. Elijah is carrying a mantle. <laughs> Elisha is asking for what? Double portion of the spirit. There is a correlation between mantles and spirits. Next verse, 10. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Verse 11. Then it happened as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire. And separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a wild wind into the heaven. Hey, this was a dramatic escape from the troubles of this world. Mandamano, diseases, whatever. Dramatic escape. Hey, Elijah. I think that's how you how we should die. You die with fire and chariot. Look at that. <laughs> Chariots, horses, 
and they are full of fire. Hey, remember that's how we should die. You, 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 you. I don't even know how to explain it. You die powerfully. Horses of fire, chariots. This is this is a kingly treatment. It's kings who are using horses and chariots. So Elijah is dying like a king. May you die like a king in the name of Jesus. It's a message within a message. Next verse, 12. Mm -hmm. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. You see, I talked about fast, but some of you don't understand what fast is. Elisha is showing us the desperation he had for the spirit that was in Elijah. That he had to tear his clothes in pieces. Me, I'm asking you, if you tear your clothes in pieces, what are you left with? Maybe you don't understand what we are saying. Can we try? If all of you were to tear your clothes into pieces, we will live here naked. As I'm looking at this scripture, I'm seeing something about Elijah. He was practically naked. Desperation, hunger, thirst. This is someone that is carrying something that I want. And he's gone. So what's the use of me having even these clothes? I wanted his spirit. He gave me a condition. I fulfilled the condition, but he has left me. Hey. You know, I was asking God, can I demonstrate to them? Because <laughs> it's like they're not understanding what Elisha was going through. Uh, how many want to how many want a demonstration so ask your neighbor do you understand alright let's proceed but this is very powerful I will show you something so he tore his clothes then something else happened verse 13 he also took up the mantle of Elijah do you know what happened when he tore his clothes he decided to cover himself with the mantle of Elijah. So now he was having new clothes. The clothes of his predecessor that had fallen from him and he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Now he's covering him with clothes but he doesn't know a transfer of spirit through the mantle has taken place. Verse 14, what happened? Am I the only one excited about this? Then he took the mantle of Elijah. Elijah, we are seeing your nakedness again. But he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? 
And when he has heard, when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that way, and Elisha crossed. Still, it has not dawned on him that the prayer he made for the spirit of Elijah to come upon him has already happened. It has not dawned on him. He moves. Verse 15. Now, when the sons of the prophets who are from Jericho saw him, they said, They are the ones who confirm, confirmed to him that the prayer he had made, God had already answered. But it came because he wrapped himself in a mantle. That's why I told you you have to receive the Holy Spirit as a mantle. And when you allow that mantle to wrap itself around you, the anointing of God comes upon you. And you begin to flow in the anointing. Amen. Receive the mantles of the Holy Spirit tonight. I say receive the mantles of the Holy Spirit tonight. The mantles for healing. The mantles to do ministry. The mantle for church planting. The mantle to be an evangelist. The mantle to be a teacher. The mantle to be a missionary. Receive the mantle of the Holy Spirit. The mantle to lead worship under the anointing. The mantle to be a great leader. The mantle to be a great pastor. The mantle to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. Receive the mantle of the Holy Ghost tonight. Lift up your hands and begin to receive mantles. Mantles, 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 mantles. Mantles of the Holy Spirit. Let there be an impartation of His Spirit upon you tonight. In the name of Jesus, receive it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.